You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker, your daily Broncos podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Locked On Broncos podcast. And it is an exciting show because we have a guest this week. And it's a guest from the Locked On podcast family, but also he's a contributor and writer over at Predominantly Orange. So he follows the Broncos, he writes for the Broncos, but also he talks on the Iowa Hawkeyes. And that is on the Locked On Hawkeyes. Andrew Wade joins us uh, on the uh, on the podcast i'm the co-host cameron parker you guys can follow me at twitter at cameron parker po first off before we go to the lead story of the day how are you doing andrew it's been a while for for you and i to talk on the podcast together i'm i'm doing well man uh i like to talk about the iowa hawkeyes but it's nice to talk about the broncos every once in a while i don't get to do it as much so i appreciate you having me on the show and um it's nice to be joining the show after a win this week Right. It's, it's, it's kind of like that, that really good feeling, you know, that, that good feeling usually when you get that W and uh, it, hopefully the, the confidence and everything with this team can kind of ride that back into a potential victory. But Andrew, first, before we go into the Broncos locked on story of the day, this locked on Hawkeyes, it's, it's predominantly just the Iowa Hawkeyes, obviously. But what, so what exactly does that entail? Yeah, man. So it's basically during the football season, we're covering, um, obviously, the Iowa Hawkeye football players. Um, anyone in the NFL, we try to cover that as well. Um, as basketball season begins, which it is over the next couple of weeks, we'll start covering that in addition to football. And we try to have a lot of different guests on. So we've had Ricky Stanzi, uh, Drew Tate, Jordan Bohannon, um, Julian Vanderveld, you know, NFL guys, um, pro basketball players, that kind of stuff. We've had a lot of really awesome guys um, on the show. So we try to mix in the interviews, mix in some analysis, mix in some fun. Um, and we're doing a really good job so far of, of growing that. I have a co-host, Zach Cohen, who's done a fantastic job running the social media side of things. And um, it's kind of blowing up right now, man. Where exactly could the listeners uh, of the Locked On Podcast Network find you? if they really wanted to, 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 to listen to you guys or, or find you guys on social media. Yeah, man. On Twitter, we are Locked On Iowa, capital L, capital O, capital I. You can follow me at Wade underscore Andrew. We're on Instagram and Facebook as well. We have hype videos coming out every Thursday about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, and obviously, you can download us wherever you download the Locked On Broncos. So um, Spotify, Google, Apple, and the Himalaya podcast app. Well, there you have it. That is the, the locked, on, uh, locked on Hawkeyes for you. I, I think it's such an exciting thing that we have a variety of different avenues that people can listen to, whether it's college, whether it's the other NFL teams, the other NCAA teams, and we're branching out and doing some NHL and, and Major League Baseball. And, of course, the, the, the one that started it all, which was the NBA season. So I, I, the NBA podcast as well. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a very fun podcast network and it's really uh, amazing that you and I who had history together is now part of another family together I think that's it's a great thing so before so before we go into the the two segments where we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of the first win Andrew and before we talk a, a little bit as far as you know where could the Broncos go from here because it does seem like they are 
better than their record indicates. Before we go into the, into that, the Broncos have got a little bit of some good news, and I think that this is probably the the, the best news for their football team, and, and it leads us to our Locked on Broncos story of the day, and that is that the Denver Broncos got a good news of, uh, of should we say, a good news of injury on their injury report, and that is players that are on IR are expected or should be able to practice whether it's on a limited basis or a full basis next week. And those guys are Tim Patrick, Jake Butt, Drew Locke, and Theo Riddick. Probably the more predominant name that is going to get a lot of buzz is probably Drew Locke um, due to the record and, and due to the current state of the Broncos. Um, but Andrew, man, it, it seems like the Broncos are in a really good situation as of right now, especially the health of this football team. Absolutely, man. I mean, I would love to also hear Bryce Callahan's name, you know, be thrown in that mix right, at some right. point. I mean, that was coming into the season. I really thought the secondary was going to be a strength of this team. And to be honest, it hasn't been as bad as it could be. But can you imagine having Bryce Callahan there as well? I mean, that secondary could be downright dominant um, if you also have Bryce Callahan opposite of Chris Harris Jr. But absolutely, man, this is some great news. Um, I'm especially excited about the Drew Locke and the Theo Riddick, um, you know, injury stuff. Drew Locke is a guy who everyone is kind of excited about understanding, is he the quarterback of the future or not? And right now you have to be kind of honest with yourselves. If Denver's at one and four, they're trending more towards a top 10 pick than they are a playoff spot which means they're going to be in line to select you know, one of the plethora of potential first-round quarterbacks. They need to understand what do they have in Drew Locke. So getting him back here, getting him healthy, getting him ready for potentially starting later in the season will be absolutely huge. And then Theo Riddick, I think people were kind of confused as to why we would sign Theo Riddick. And I think just take a look at what the San Francisco 49ers are doing right now. Risk Andrello is a product of Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's offense likes to run the ball. They like to use multiple weapons. That's why they have – that's why they signed Jarek McKinnon. That's why they have Matt Breida. That's why they have Tevin Coleman. Um, those guys are all going to get touches in that offense. And you look at the Denver Broncos offense, you got Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Theo Riddick. Those guys are – different kind of guys they all bring a different skill set so I'm really excited to see those two guys specifically get integrated back into um, kind of the offensive game plan and get healthy absolutely and then you know we were so excited when the Denver Broncos made that move with Theo Riddick because it made the offense and it made the offense a little bit more complete and I, I was kind of maybe a little bit too excited with the Riddick signing, kind of basically coining him <laughs> as, as, as just as a potential you know x factor just because you know like we were so excited for it and, you know, we really had not seen the likes of him really in this type of offense before, because in as history has shown with, with everything from the, the, the chargers having Darren Sproles and, and, and all that history with that, the Broncos really had a, a hard time covering those guys. Well, now they had the opportunity to really get a guy like that, like a Theo Riddick, who, who could even provide a lot of, punch in the in, in pass protection as well I think he was great as one of the best pass protectors uh, in all of football even with his ability to be such a strong pass catcher and a former wide receiver when he was with Notre Dame so him uh, really kind of putting this all together and, and kind of making this a more of a complete team it, it's it's definitely good news for the Broncos but is it going to translate to wins I, I think that that's kind of that's kind of like that gray area because you don't know once you get to that point where, you know, it is going to amount to wins and, 
and and everything well then that's that talk with with drew lock is really gonna really come into play because really the the broncos brought joe flacco in to be the guy this year but if it's not going to amount to wins then the denver broncos really have to really look at themselves in the mirror and say okay we traded up for drew lock I, I i know he's a second round draft pick but we traded up to get him and it's it's theoretically part of the noah fant deal when the when they traded with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so it's like a package deal. I mean, you had Noah Fant picked at twenty, and then Drew Lock is part of that trade and the move up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's like a two and one deal. They have to see what they have in him in order for it to to bear fruit. But I I personally think it's a really exciting thing for the Broncos that if they can show and they can be a a proponent of a, a solid two quarterback system not using two quarterbacks, but having guys that they could rely on, like Flacco and Locke, if they can turn that season around, I think that that's going to at least help their cause. I don't know if that's ever going to work. But, you know, it's one of those where I think that the Broncos, it's a good problem to have. But they, they do absolutely have to see what they have in Locke if the, wins are, if the wins are not adding up or the losses are starting to add up. Definitely, man. It, and I, I think people need to realize that while it would be awesome to see the Denver Broncos go on a winning spree and, you know, win 10 games, 11 games, and somehow mirage, you know, miraculously make the playoffs, um, <laughs> history is not on our side, man. Um, there have been only – I think there's only been one 0-4 team to actually make the playoffs. Um, and so the chances of Denver actually doing that is so slim, but they, they do need to be very smart about the future. They want to work and build some momentum this year, but also be very smart about the future and see what we have in, in you know, Drew Locke. Are we going to be a team that needs to be looking for a quarterback or not? Um, and to see Drew Locke integrated with the full offense, see him working with Noah Fan, our first-round pick, and see how he works to Cortland Sutton, that'll be a really huge thing to see going into next year. What does the, you know, the building blocks of this future offense look like? Absolutely. And it's, it's something that I think Bronco fans in general are really excited about because it's Drew Lockett. It's, it's that new shiny toy quarterback. That has been the Denver Broncos, the Locked On Broncos story of the day. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, the Broncos and what that first win had meant. Now we were talking a little bit about that during the week. We were talking as far as what the, the first one could mean, you know, in the last few episodes on the Locked On Titans crossover, and on Tuesday's episode and Wednesday's episode and Wednesday's episode today and Monday's episode after the game, we're gonna talk a little bit about that with Andrew. Get his side of things. Get his point of view. Where where does he stand after that huge huge victory over the divisional opponent of the Los Angeles Chargers? But before we go into segment two, are you guys tough enough to hit the trails and help in the fight against cancer? We know you are, and that's why we want to show us that's why, why, that's why we want you to show us your true grit by participating in the John Wayne Grit Series. This fun 10K run and walk is coming up October 12th in Ridgeway, Colorado, and there's something for everyone on this course suited for all fitness levels. Your run or walk through the ranches and country where one of the Duke's most famous movies, True Grit, was filmed. And you'll be helping those fighting cancer because every step you take will benefit the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, funding cancer research and programs that save lives. Visit johnwayne.org today and for more information to sign up uh, for a solo or as a team, 
Join us for this epic run walk and to reserve your exclusive free race swag. Enter discount code Broncos10 to get $10 off. You won't want to miss this. All right, Bronco fans, there was a lot that certainly happened in last Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. But I think that the one thing I thought was so impressive, uh, Andrew, was for an 0-4 team, and we'll talk a little bit about that in segment three, but for, for an 0-4 team, it was really impressive that throughout that game and throughout the time when they were playing the Chargers, they never trailed. Like, they, they never trailed against the Chargers. I mean, we know, and we'll talk a bit about it in segment three, that their record is probably better than, than where they were. But, man, for them not to trail against a team that was better than them and probably is better than them, I don't know. I thought that that was probably the most impressive aspect for them on that win. But what are some things that you can glean off of and what are some things that they could probably learn from and continue this upcoming Sunday against the Titans? Because that one win could, tran- could translate into something special. Definitely, man. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on my, my you know, opening um, entrance to the, the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But I want to take that with a grain of salt because, yes, they, they, they were leading for the entire game. They never trailed once. San Diego or Los Angeles, excuse me, um, they are a very banged up team, had a lot of guys out in that game. Also, playing in Los Angeles is essentially home field advantage for Denver. Uh, Los Angeles is not a very good place for them to play. They don't have a very big stadium, not a lot of Chargers fans up there. So you get a lot of people who are going to be traveling, you get a lot of you know transplants that do like the Broncos in LA. Um, so I think that needs to be you know, put in there as well. The other thing I would like to point out is the fact that, yes, they, they weren't trailing at all, but they only scored three points in the final, the final you know, two quarters. And I would have liked them to – I would like to see them maybe push on the gas a little bit more and really get that offense going, get a little bit more momentum um, going with the team. Obviously, the, the punt return touchdown by Desmond King took away a little bit of that. Um, but just like we saw with Jacksonville, man, this, this team can start off strong. They can do it. They just need to be able to close out the game. That being said, um, I really thought it was instrumental to see how well the defense played. Um, Kareem Jackson played phenomenal in that game. Um, I thought that the pass rush did a pretty good job despite not having Bradley Chubb. And I love the development of Cortland Sutton. Um, he was one of the guys coming into the season. I drafted him every single fantasy football league a round or two earlier just because I knew next year in a keeper league, this guy is going to be freaking awesome. And I know fantasy football doesn't always translate to NFL or vice versa, but um, my point being, Cortland Sutton is a freaking stud. And getting him in the second round of last year was just a fantastic steal by, by John Elway. And he's a guy who has continued to impress me um, in this game and all the other games before this. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where the trajectory there's no other way for Sutton to go and that is up. I mean, yeah. we I, I I mean the talent level we we certainly had seen it uh, in the in the season where he was with Case Keenum. Now I think that one of the things that was kind of impressive and I really kind of pondered that this morning uh and maybe even last night is that if you really factor in last season, Cortland Sutton really should have had a thousand yards. Yep. Because it, it, because if if Keenum 
uh, and the whole quarterback situation, if he was able to hit him in stride on some of those deep passes where he was, where he was basically forced to being that 50-50 wide receiver, which he is successful at. I mean, he's a 70-30 catcher, basically. If he were to hit him in stride, he probably would have very close to 1,000 yards, if not 1,000 yards last season. So he's definitely one of those key guys. I, I think, too, talking about the, the game against the Chargers, one of the aspects I thought was very impressive was the, the, the ability for them to create turnovers. And I, I, I think that it was more the, probably the, the defibrillator of that defense, which was adding Mike Purcell and Alexander Johnson to the mix that probably gave a little bit more continuity. I, I just think that for them and, and generating so much of that pass rush, whether it was guys like Malik Reed and, and even Von Miller, I, I, from, from even adding Mike Purcell, which is probably the, the move of that day, putting him on the inside really affected a lot of the running game and for, for them to really open things up and, and create a lot of opportunities for guys like Malik Green and Von Miller to really get after Phillip Rivers. Now, the one thing that I do want to make it known, because I, I, am, I am a huge fan of Rivers. I think that he does not get enough credit for what he, does, for what he has had at, with the San Diego Chargers and now with the Los Angeles Chargers. Every single time you, you, you think you have the Chargers – dead to rights and and figured out rivers in particular comes out of the, the the woodwork and just shines like as can be however and andrew you can chime in on this too while the broncos did not have the capability the last handful of weeks to turn the ball over there's times in the past and in the times when the broncos have faced philip rivers where he has thrown interceptions in very critical situations when he's been facing the broncos yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's one of those things where just like the Broncos and Tom Brady, I feel like Phillip Rivers just doesn't have as much success against Denver. Um, I felt that way uh, against, you know, when you go to New England or we play Tom Brady, for some reason, Denver just has success against him. And I, I don't know what it is um, because obviously there's a lot of turnover from year to year, um, from decade to decade in Phillip River and Tom Brady's, um, you know, cases. But it I would love to see that similar kind of concept happen with Patrick Mahomes. I'm very interested when the Broncos take on, you know, the Chiefs in a couple of weeks, how do they handle Patrick Mahomes? We saw kind of a blueprint. I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but we saw kind of a blueprint of that with the Colts um, putting pressure on Patrick Mahomes consistently throughout the day. Um, can the Broncos start establishing that rhythm of containing one of the, you know, best quarterbacks in the NFL today with Phillip Rivers? We are now with, Phillip, with the Patrick Mahomes. We've seen it done with Phillip Rivers time and time again. We see it done with Tom Brady. Um, can they extend that now to some of the other top quarterbacks, um, not in just the league, but in their own division? Yeah, and can it certainly translate next week? I, I think that that's one of those things because sometimes you see it psychologically when they win that first game, especially the way they did in, in such a very juggernaut and strong defensive fashion. You know, it, it was a very impressive feat what the Broncos were able to, were able to accomplish. And in some ways, it, it almost looked like a, fa a flashback, Andrew back to 2015 not saying that the defense was was really that good uh, on Sunday but there as we we're saying they never trailed there was there was never a moment really 
realistically, yeah, no doubt. There, there really was no realistic moment in the game where, say, I felt scared or, or you know, ultimately that the Broncos were going to potentially lose that lead. And I think that, I, well, and, and I say that, but yet they were down, they were, or they were up 17 to 10 at one point. But really, I, because of the way their defense was playing, it was just like, okay, I, I think we had it pretty much in hand as far as the Broncos goes. I thought the Broncos really did a good job in really having that uh, in hand. And so I, I thought the Broncos did a really good job defensively. And we know that cohesion and consistency is, is key. And so can they bring that consistency, you know, on this upcoming Sunday? Because we know that Alexander Johnson's starting again and Mike Purcell is starting again on that defensive uh, defensive line. So the interesting thing I, I think is going to certainly come out of this, Ben, before we go to break, is do we see Adam Gotsis inactive again? I think that that's going to be a very interesting kind of story about all of this because Adam Gotsis is a great player, in my opinion. He's gotten better every single year. But for some reason, the Broncos felt it necessary to make Gotsis inactive on Sunday and, and activate Purcell, and it, it did them wonders. So do they inactive, Do they make Gotsis inactive? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a, a wake-up call for him. Yeah, it's definitely a wake-up call, and that's something that Collar, and maybe it was Collar's call, because the, the first time Bill Collar put uh, Gotsis on notice, Gotsis really turned into the player that he is now. Uh, which was kind of like a, a mini Derek Wolf in some ways. So I, I think that it's going to be a, a little bit interesting. You know, do they do they make Gotsis active this upcoming Sunday? I think it, it all just depends on how has he looked probably in practice this week. Has he responded? Has he responded mentally uh, to the to sort of being in the doghouse a little bit to use that little terminology? Unfortunately, uh, as as we like to use. I think that's going to be something and a sight to certainly see is that if he is active on Sunday. Well, Andrew, coming up, we were kind of, it was a, it was a nice little transition uh, into our third segment as far as talking a little bit about, you know, is the Denver Broncos really better than their, than their record indicated? And we, you and I both feel the, the same way, but I, I think coming up next in the break, we're going to talk a bit about that. Where are the Broncos in the, in the course of, this this season and 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 this record because they are they are better than the record indicating we're, we're we're not the only ones that said it Tony Romo said it on Sunday he thought that the the Denver Broncos are better than the record indicate we're going to talk about that next right here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast Welcome back, Bronco fans. It is the Locked On Broncos podcast, your daily bite-sized Broncos podcast. And before we talk a little bit about the 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 Broncos and and is their record uh, better than uh, than it actually indicates, and is their team in general better than what their record indicates, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns or two-minute drives, running backs rushing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL. There's no better way to make the games even, even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.com. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sport book. Don't forget, where you are betting, 
is just as important as who you are betting on. And mybookie.com is the best in the business. I wouldn't be telling you guys this to bet with them if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little win and or a little win or even just win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. And so visit mybookie.com today. You play, you win, you get paid. So yeah, the Denver Broncos, as we talked a bit about, Andrew, is that the they do appear that they are better than the record indicated. And we were talking uh, a little bit about that as far as Cortland Sutton. He's seeing uh, a much stronger emergence. And I think that for Bronco fans, it's kind of been a, a, a role reversal this year where uh, barring the, the last Sunday's game against the Chargers, it's weird to say that, that my, myself included probably feel much more comfortable in where the offense is than where the defense is. Yeah, man, I, I think it's an interesting situation for, for Denver Bronco fans. Um, I think the offense does show a lot of signs of almost being there. Um, I would still like to see them put it together for a full game. I would like to see the offensive line play well over the course of four to five games as opposed to putting together one or two games. Um, but I have been really impressed with Joe Flacco, and I think that's what's going to make it so difficult to potentially transition to Drew Locke depending on where they are in the season just because I think Flacco's actually played pretty well. Um, if he gets time in the pocket, he's been slinging it all around. He obviously has a great connection with Cortland Sutton. I think the defense um, is very much in transition, right? You lose Bradley Chubb, you got to figure out who is going to be your depth guy um, there. You know, the Adam Gosses story, uh, just an interesting situation all around. I think they're trying to figure out who makes the most sense on the defensive line, um, you know, where do we play Shelby Harris? Is he at no tackle or is he better at, you know, a reserve three, four end. Um, and then in the secondary, just who the hell is going to be that second corner. We signed Bryce Callahan and he's just never going to be in. And we continue to deal with an effectiveness or injuries at that second cornerback slot. Obviously hope Bosby is you know doing well. It sounds like he's, you know, getting better, but Isaac Idom is a guy who I think um, could be considered the biggest bust from last year. He's been, uh, pretty bad this year. And that I think you're absolutely right when you think, say, the defense is somewhere where we actually are more concerned about that now than we are the offense. And just because there's a few positions that we don't know what's going on there. Well, and I, I think it's just a very unfortunate situation with the uh, Isaac Yadam scenario because you, as a player, you you don't want to be benched in general. And he's already been benched twice. And, it's, and usually when – or all the time when you get benched is because of lack of performance. And I think he's a, he's a great corner. I think that he has the makings to be a really good corner. We saw the makings of it in preseason. It's there. I think that he just gets a little bit wrapped up in, in some of the technique where it's a little bit too tech, too technical and the awareness and, and just the wherewithal, unfortunately puts him in situations where he's holding wide receivers when he really shouldn't. Like, for instance, there was the route, I think, where he had against Mike Williams last Sunday. And he was there with him stride for stride. He didn't have to put the hands on him. He really didn't have to put the hands on him. He was already there with him hip to hip. And I think that, unfortunately for him, he feels like he may have to use his hands as the ability to kind of close better. And that, unfortunately, is not – 
a key thing. It's a big thing for, I think, defensive backs because usually when you're there stride for stride, it's a good thing. But you want to make sure that you're also there with the ability to close. And I think that that's been why Bosby overtook him. And, you know, Devonta Harris, and I, and by the way, a huge shout out still to Devonta Harris for the, for the game that he had. And, and especially the, these are the circumstances that he, that, that he certainly had to encounter with that. So I, I think it's definitely been frustrating, but I think that the potential is still there with the autumn uh, Fangio, I think still loves him, but you can tell that he's visually, he's visually frustrated with him and, you know, bringing in, a depth piece with that secondary of Cody Sensabaugh. It does. It's it's not good news for Yadam, but given also the circumstances of moving Bosby to IR and everything, it was kind of like the smart decision. But yeah, overall, I I think it's been if we were if we were really to pinpoint like that one answer for why the defense has struggled, it's been that defensive line. Because you're getting like the demons of the past and the, and the ghosts of the past to where you were. You know, you're allowing 220, 200 yards to a running back, and that can't happen. Yeah, especially Jacksonville, man. You knew they were going to do that too. Um, and that's why I think coming up against Tennessee, it'll be a good test for Denver to see if they've fixed some of those demons because Marcus Mariota is not going to beat anyone through the air. Um, Derrick Henry's had a pretty solid year so far. Um, they like to run the ball. He has almost 400 yards rushing uh, through their first couple of games. I think it'll be a really good test for Denver to see if they can handle that again. Um, can they fix some of those things against, you know, against Los Angeles with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, they held him to 35, 36 rushing yards. So um, granted again, their offensive line was a little bit broken in Los Angeles. They were without um, their starting tight end, so not exactly the best unit to compare against. But can they continue that momentum and get you know battle those demons and continue um, you know building that defensive line up again? Yeah, and and we'll we'll see. I think that that the actual addition of of Purcell is really going to help them. And you alluded to something that I think is probably the. The, the smart thing and that was putting in Mike Purcell on that defensive line has now allowed Shelby Harris to move to his natural position yeah, because man. when you when you move Shelby Harris to his natural position we saw the makings of what was a potential star and you now have Draymond Jones who's coming on rather quickly on that defensive line he's starting to see a rapid rise and getting to the quarterback and, and really helping out in the run game. And maybe that's Mike Purcell to think for that. But I, I just think overall the Broncos are in a much better situation now with their run defense, with the recent addition of Purcell on that line. Yeah. And especially, I think we're also, you know, not talking about Alexander Johnson enough. I mean, that guy before the, uh, you know, unfortunate charges were pressed against him, you know, he was, you know, looked at as maybe a day two pick, day three pick, early day three. And he might have some issues in coverage, but he was able to attack the ball downhill all day on Sunday. And he also played a huge role um, in that defense. Um, something we haven't seen as much with Josie Jewell in the lineup. And, you know, I love Josie Jewell, but oh, yeah. um, I thought, Alexander Johnson was a huge asset to that run defense as well. Um, going against Tennessee, we're not going to see the coverage issues again very much. Um, against Kansas City, though, is where we're really going to find out how good 
is this defense? How good is this defensive line? Can we sustain a good rushing defense? And granted, Kansas City is not the best run offense in the league, but um, what we're going to see from Alexander Johnson too is um, can he cover? Because, you know, they got Travis Kelsey and Vic Vangio likes his linebackers to be able to cover. So um, is this run defense kind of, you know, putting all of your, you know, eggs in one basket and taking the eggs out of the other basket? Or are we actually creating a balanced defense? Um, that is probably the biggest thing I'm curious about after seeing how well our running defense played this past game. Can we also do it from a passing defense perspective with that same personnel? Yeah, the, the underrated part probably with the, this Tennessee Titans game is the fact that they're playing and they also have a back there called Deion Lewis. So you you probably still need a back that's going to be capable enough to run sideline to sideline with a guy like a Deion Lewis, which we saw during his time with the New England Patriots. He was probably the guy for a few years before James White really took the reins and really ran with it. So I, I think it's going to be a very tough test, even throughout the season as the Broncos really kind of fine-tuned that linebacking core. But uh, I think the Alexander Johnson in, in general is probably – much like the Devontae Bosby story, are, are going to be those two fantastic stories as this season unfolds. So I think, you know, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting time for, for the Broncos and where they certainly go from here. But, Andrew, it was great having you on, man. And uh, one final time uh, before uh, we, we send it off and, and, and close out the show, Locked on Hawkeyes, where can they, where can they follow you? Yeah, man. Twitter account, Locked On Iowa, capital L, capital O, capital I. You can search for us everywhere you find the Locked On Broncos podcast as well. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. We have great giveaways coming out almost every single month with autographed memorabilia from former Iowa Hawkeye players. And then you can find me at Wade underscore Andrew. And Cameron, it was a blast, man. Happy to always talk Denver Broncos stuff. And I'm looking forward to being back on in the future, man. It was a pleasure as always, man. This has been the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Please uh, listen to the Lockdown Broncos podcast as well as the Lockdown Hawkeyes on Stitcher and Spotify as well as the Himalaya app and the Google Play app. And in fact, as I was searching about a few months ago, you guys can even search the Lockdown Broncos podcast on the TuneIn radio app and even listen on there as well. It has been a pleasure to, to have Andrew on the show and we'll be back tomorrow for tomorrow's episode, for Friday's episode, as we'll be joined by Sayer Benninger, also of Predominantly Orange. Thank you guys very much for listening to the Lockdown Broncos podcast, your daily bite-sized Broncos podcast.